0: Welcome to STR unfiltered, where we give you actionable episodes without the bull. Here is your host, Bill faith. Hey, you guys, you know how much I love stay fine, how important that is into my entire marketing funnel. But look, they have just released a thing called homepage, which is absolutely taking it to the next level. Now, when somebody logs into your Wi-Fi via your StayFi landing page, it takes them to this homepage where you can integrate with the HostCo shop for upsells. You can integrate with Viator for literally local attractions to take care of your guests, your guidebook links, direct link to your website, and your book again button. Completely simplified. Look, StayFi has taken this whole marketing thing to the next level. You need to check them out. They are a seriously integral part of my marketing funnel, and it should be for yours as well. Look, to lock in your StayFi discount and start cultivating your engaged guest list, go to stayfi.com slash bill. That's stayfi.com slash bill. Yep, that's my name. And watch your booking soar. Hey, welcome back to SDR Unfiltered. Filtered. I'm Bill Faith, founder of Build Short-Term Rental Wealth, the SDR Wealth Conference. And I'm going to be your host today. Uh, we have a very special guest. That's going to be a little bit abnormal for us. We typically are talking mostly about short-term rentals, but there's other platforms that are out there. We look at midterm rents. We've got long-term rents. We've got multifamily. So we're going to talk with a, a gentleman who is the CEO of a large company that empowers people in their investing, primarily in long-term rentals and secondary, tertiary markets. Let's bring up my new friend Jason Hartman, uh, the Empowered Investor. How are you today, Jason?
1: Hey, good, Bill. It's a pleasure to be on with you. And I hope I can share some insights about the market, where we've been, where we're going, and uh, some good stuff for your listeners.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. So, I mean, you and I have kind of some different perspectives. I exited long-term about eight years ago to maximize cash flow, profit, all that other type of stuff in the short-term rentals. I actually don't even own a long-term any longer, but you are in the long-term space. How come no transition into short-term? Why why still just long-term?
1: Yeah, you, you know we have dabbled in short-term rentals, and I like the idea. Um, you know, I know it's had some challenges lately, but I think uh, I think it's a great market. And I know people. I, I have friends of mine that I've uh, at times been very envious of. They've been doing extremely well with their short-term rental portfolios. So uh, you know, it, it it's just um, we we just like the lower management, the kind of sure thing, the conservative thing, and the buy-and-hold kind of bread-and-butter long-term rentals they just fit that bill really well. You awesome. Know? So
0: let's talk about we talk ways about to make money in real estate. markets. What, what markets are you looking into right now, Jason? What do you see with the shift, you know, with interest rates economy, we're in an election year, which always has a tremendous amount of uncertainty uh, that right. comes along with it. So are you investing now? And if so, uh, what type of uh, markets are you looking into?
1: Yeah. So we like, you know, we sort of divide the world into three types of markets, Bill, linear markets, cyclical markets, and hybrid markets. And um, I know you do secondary, tertiary, you talk like that. And um, and that's all very valid and very good. If you compare the three types of markets in the whole country, really the whole world can be divided or categorized into one of those three types. And so the, the most of the attention goes to the uh, the cyclical markets, where if you're looking at a chart of appreciation over time, it looks like a roller coaster. They've got glorious highs, really ugly lows, and uh, they just go up and down, up and down. Um, Those markets are generally the markets that get all the attention because they're very newsworthy. They're the West Coast of the United States, the expensive Northeastern markets in the United States or South Florida, where I live. I live in Palm Beach, Florida. And so those markets get a lot of attention. Around the world, those markets are places like London, Paris, um, uh, Hong Kong, Uh, Dubai, those are all cyclical markets. But most of the world is a linear market. And so right now we're very focused on uh, some of the linear Florida markets, uh, Alabama markets, Tennessee, where you live, uh, and Indiana. Those I'd say would be our most popular spots right now. We have a few more. But those are the markets we're really looking at, and these Alabama. Markets,
0: are you like, like focusing on Huntsville market?
1: Well, Huntsville's the most expensive of our Alabama markets, but we've basically got all of the major cities in Alabama covered. Uh, so, you know, we like these markets because they have low prices. You can buy bread and butter entry level housing there, and you can get good cash flow on those properties. Now, the great thing about being in the short term rental business is the world is your oyster, because you can do that in any market. And, you know, in in the long term rental side of the business, we can't really touch those sort of flagship trophy markets like you can. Uh, So that's one of the things that's not really available to us like it is to your folks.
0: Right, right. So you're looking primarily entry level, what type of price points are you looking for? What do you consider entry level? Are you talking like 150 to 250 grand?
1: Well, when I started in this business, uh, I, I used to have a traditional real estate company that Coldwell Banker purchased from me in 2005. And so about a year before that, I started in this nationwide business of helping investors buy turnkey properties. And um, back then we had houses Bill, that, you, know, you could buy for $60,000, $80,000 right. that actually weren't bad properties. <laughs> you know, They weren't too bad, but nowadays really, like the entry level house is going to be at least 250,000, if not 350. Um, so, you know, the market has changed quite a bit over the last 20 years, obviously.
0: Yeah. I remember my first duplex I purchased in Bakersfield, California in 1993 for, I think it was literally 94,000 bucks. And it was new construction at the time, which was pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, it is. It really is crazy.
0: Awesome. So, what type in these kind of linear markets, what type of appreciation and cash flow are you looking at?
1: You know, cash flow, uh, I mean, it obviously varies and every deal is very individual, but uh, typically you'll get cash on cash returns somewhere, hopefully, around that, you know, 8 to 10% range. Um, and, uh, you know, that'll translate into maybe $150 a month now, right? But in the past, it was much better because the prices were lower and the rates were lower. And that's one of the things I'd actually like to address. And I have some pretty good visual aids for you. Uh, if you want to share those with your listeners um, or your viewers, I can share my screen here. And, you know, we've all heard a lot and we've been anxiously waiting for the Fed pivot, Right. They've been so aggressive in raising interest rates. It's been a, histo- a historic change in interest rates uh, so quickly. And so it begs the question, Bill, what happens as the Fed pivots? And they it seems like they're pretty slow about it, but Fannie Mae is predicting that by the end of the year, we will see 30-year fixed rates below 6%. So that'll all be super welcome news uh, for real estate people. They'll love that. But the question is, What is the sensitivity for that? What happens to the number of people who can buy a home and afford a home as rates decline? We saw it happen the other direction and it was pretty painful for some, uh, but now hopefully it's going the other direction. I mean, the Fed has made that promise. Who knows how quickly they'll do it? That's anybody's guess. But right now, basically about 55 million people can afford the median price house based on the typical household income. As that rate comes down, you see that more and more people, more and more millions of people can afford to buy. So this chart might be a little easier way to express that. If we use a baseline mortgage rate of 7%, and I know that of course varies, but let's, we've got to sort of pick a baseline. Uh, so that's where we are, and that means 55 million people can afford a house. But if it drops a half a percent, another 2.8 million people are able to afford that house. If it drops to 6%, 5.4 million people. And those are in green because I think those are pretty likely to happen, probably this year. I put the next segment in yellow, Bill, because I thought it was less likely, but that Fannie Mae prediction and they're the biggest mortgage player on planet Earth, says that we will see rates approaching 5.5%. Who knows? But that'll mean 7.7 million new people can afford. Well, the question is, uh, first of all, how many of these people will move into the market? Certainly not all of them. And nobody really knows how many people would decide to become buyers if they can newly afford it. But let's say a third of any of these numbers can afford to buy. So here you'll have almost a million people on the first cut. You'll have almost 2 million on the second cut and about 2.5 million on the third cut. So when we look at inventory and we drop this number of buyers onto the existing housing inventory, which is only about a half a million homes, what do we expect to happen? I mean, there is going to be another Savagely inventory scarce housing market. And we really already have that. And that's why prices did not crash like so many people had predicted, because there's just so little housing inventory. And the experts got it so wrong because they thought that the market would react to the worst housing affordability in 40 years, where only about 5 million people entered that market since we had those big rate hikes. But there's about 140 million housing units in the country. So the other 135 million were what they should have been focusing on, all the so-called experts, but they were myopically focused on only the 5 million transactions that occurred since the rate hikes. These other 135 million people are extremely comfortable Their mortgage is such a great deal, they don't want to give it up. 25% of them have a mortgage at or below 3%, and 65% of them have a mortgage at or below 4%, and they've got 27 to 28 years left on that incredibly cheap mortgage. So that's why we don't have any housing inventory. And at the worst point, the lowest point during the COVID era, we got down to about 240,000 homes for sale. Now we have about a half million homes for sale, but normal inventory is about 1.2 million homes for sale. So if we go back to our prior chart, and then I'm sure you can want to fire a question or two at me, if we drop just a million people into the housing market to become buyers, where will they get the inventory of houses to buy? Uh, So this just speaks to the upward pressure on prices. And uh, I hope that makes sense, but you probably have some questions.
0: Yeah, I don't really have any questions. That's why I like high interest rates. That's why yeah. I'm a buyer at 8%. Right. Uh, because I don't want those three and a half million people coming back into the market. But even at that, they're probably not going to be able to afford uh, the price points. And especially if long-term, like from a long-term investment standpoint, when you're only generating 8 to 10% cash on cash, it makes absolutely no sense, right? Uh, you know, to make those investments unless you're in a very high appreciating market. So that's kind of what I take away yeah. Uh, from that. I think most investors like you and I know that data. Most newbies don't. And that's right. why they make bad investments. Right. Right. So I think that's very informative for them, but that's also just, I think another, you know, angle of why people should be looking at midterm rents and also short-term rentals, mm-hmm. uh, in non- non unregulated or non aggressively regulated, you know, without historic regulation, it that's a big difference between ltr and str, right? is that you we have risk from a regulatory standpoint, but the returns are much greater, and you can mitigate that risk by going into markets that have long term regulation in place.
1: yeah um, uh, I, in, I think but I just I just want to comment on something you said, Bill, because I think it was really telling what you said there um at the at the start of your your point. You said you like the higher interest rates. And that is spoken like anybody who owns and controls assets, right? That's exactly true because higher interest rates put upward pressure on rents. Mm -hmm. Lower interest rates move more people into the buying market, putting upward pressure on prices. And the beautiful thing about owning income property, whether it be short term or long term, is that. All we have to do is adjust our strategy for the market we're in. There are so many different ways to make money. And the, the funny thing is, you know, I, I, I always, uh, you know, whenever we're in a deal, right? We don't like dealing with people who make the deal, make the agreement, and then they start renegotiating the agreement, right? That's pretty frustrating. <laughs> I have a name for those people. I call them weasels. They're uh, the concession specialists. Yeah, yeah right. The concession, <laughs> I like that one too. That's good. The concession specialists. But, you know, if you think about it, that's one of the beauties of income property, right? Is that we make the deal and then we can constantly revise and renegotiate the deal basically forever. And think about how, right? We can change the way we use the property. We could make It could have been a long-term rental. We change it to a short-term rental or a mid-term rental, right? Maybe we change the interest rate on the property by refinancing it. Uh, maybe we improve the property and change that. And so we can always change the deal. We're never married to the deal we took at the beginning. Whereas with many other assets, if you buy a stock or a bond, right, the deal is the deal, right? You're not going to get to do anything creative to change that deal after you buy it.
0: Agreed. Can't agree more. I mean, I think the majority of people are, are building their long-term wealth by ARV, right? You take that two hundred and fifty thousand dollars property and put twenty or thirty thousand into it. Mm-hmm. You should be able to increase cash flow based on rental income, right? You're going to ARV the property. You're going to increase, you know, after renovation value as well. Then you have potentially eighteen, twenty-four, thirty-six months have the ability to be able to reposition. I think that's what we're going to see people doing as interest rates come down. I don't know how likely it is that we'll see 5.5 in 2024. Yeah. I think that might be in 2025. I think we'll see around six. I, I didn't think that was portfolio. likely either.
1: I was just kind of going off the fan base. Yeah. But a
0: lot of those people, regardless of what mode of rent that you're in, STR, MTR, LTR, it, potentially for people like me that bought at 75 and 8% because the Performa. Would allow that to happen from a cash flow basis and then do, you know, equity pay down. I'm not doing interest only, right. uh, you know, type of loans and mortgages will allow us a, an early reposition where typically we're 24 to 36 months pre-COVID, right? Let's throw right. everything that happened from 2020 almost to present out the window. You look at, you know, 2010 through 2019, you're looking at a 24 to 36 months of reposition. I think we're gonna see people that have purchased within the last 12 to 16, 18 months be able to reposition if we drop down close to six Mm -hmm. right and that could just be a refinance with no cash out to increase cash flow it could be a refinance to pull cash out to be able to reinvest if they're in those markets that have seen still five to seven percent maybe even ten percent you know appreciation and i think those are things that a lot of people you know jason outside of people like my you and myself are so linearly and you bring up a really good point that one of the investing strategies, even though I'm I own zero long term right now, I'm still looking for that potential exit or reposition from STR to MTR to LTR, right? And I like three things: cash flow, appreciation, and principal paydown. And you know the bonus is really the tax advantages as well.
1: Right. Yep. Absolutely. The, you know there are so many. It's a multi-dimensional asset class. So you know there are not only ways to sort of renegotiate the deal after you make the deal, right? Like we talked about, but there are so many different ways to make your return on investment as well. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's the best asset class. No question. So there.
0: I know you were up against the clock for your timing. What do what are you advising your clients today? Are they sitting on the sidelines and waiting for interest rates to come down based on that graph? Or are yeah. they trying to get in now before the rush, because I think it's going to be very challenging to buy as we move into summertime. I think May through potentially even the end of September to October is going to be as challenging to purchase, depending on price point and geography, right? Right. We have to take all those things into consideration. But if there's high demand, and let's just use Huntsville, and I say Huntsville because it's an hour south of me, and just the government contracts that are there, the MTR is off the hook. You know, because of NASA, because of the expansion of that market, LTR is strong, STR is strong, but MTR is really what's happening in that market right, right now, right? Yep. And I think what people don't understand is if, if we hit 5.5% before the end of the year, and my God, if that happened in the summer, yeah, I think oh. if you're going to see above asking prices, I think you're going to see no concessions. It's going to just switch so fast mm. to a seller's market it's gonna be really challenging to be able to enter.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could almost argue that it's a bit of a seller's market now, amazingly, right? Agreed. Um, and, and, and you know, this is what the uninformed people, they just don't understand. You know, there, there's one ingredient, Bill, that you absolutely, positively must have if you want to have a housing crash. This is the ingredient you cannot do without if you wanna have a housing crash. And that agree- ingredient is, millions of distressed homeowners that become millions of distressed home sellers. And we have the exact opposite of that right now. We have tens of millions of homeowners that are so comfortable and their deal is so good that they won't give it up. Remember I mentioned earlier that 25% of the mortgages in the country were at or below 3%, 65% were at or below 4%. Well, here's what I didn't tell you. 42% 42% of the homes in America have no mortgage at all. They're right. paid off. They're free and clear. And while I don't think paying off your mortgage is that great an idea, because I like something called inflation-induced debt destruction, which we can talk about, but, you know, the fact is, it's just extremely unlikely that you can ever experience distress when you have an ultra-cheap mortgage or certainly no mortgage, right? Right. So, well, and
0: that, that impacts inventory, yeah. right? Those right. people are Vermont's not going to release their their houses. I mean, I, I know 50 to 100 investors that are not going to sell, even though they're doing return on equity audits, and it makes sense to tap into their equity one way or another. And at the interest rates today, it doesn't for a HELOC. It doesn't for a cash-out refinance. It may at 6%, but if they're sitting at even an investment property at 4%, do they really want to pay an extra 2% to cash out? Yeah, you know that those are the things that, and then the like you said, just the the primary residences that are out there as well. And I think you're seeing a lot of that. You would think it would mainly be in the lower tiers, you know, the hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollar price, three hundred thousand dollar price range, but I'm seeing it even more in the million dollar to three million dollar price range. That people are not wanting to let go of those, you know. Two million dollar properties that they're paying seven thousand dollars a month. Where if they bought it today they'd be yeah. paying twelve thousand.
1: The the deal everybody has now is so much better than the deal than they can get anywhere else. They're not going to leave it, right? They're just they're just you know mostly rational actors, right? They're just not going to do that, and you know. To address your other point that you asked about a moment ago, which is basically market timing, right? People trying to time the interest rates or time the housing prices. You know, in any asset class bill, and I'm sure you know this, you've probably talked about it on your show before, but it doesn't matter if it's cryptocurrencies, precious metals, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, you know, widgets, it doesn't matter. You know, beanie babies, whatever asset class it is, okay? The market timers do not succeed over the long haul, right? There have been a million studies on this, that the most important thing is to just be in the market. And that is so true in the real estate world. I mean, look, I've been doing this for many decades in the traditional side of real estate, and then 20 years in the investment only side of real estate. And I'll tell you something, I have heard over and over I mean, almost every day of my career, people trying to time the market, saying, hey, look, you know, um, it's it's 2012, we're four years coming out of the Great Recession, you know, the market has been uh, rising steadily, you know, it's due for a correction, didn't happen, right? Uh, 2016, Trump got elected, I hate Donald Trump, the country's going to go to hell in the handbasket, you know, it's going to have a correction, didn't happen, right? (laughs) The economy boomed. 2019 oh my God, the business cycle, this, is so, this market is so long in the tooth. It's been going for so long, it's way overdue for a correction. The repo market, so many signs that the economy was in bad shape, didn't happen. And then COVID began. And if you ever had an excuse to think there was going to be a market crash, it was COVID, right? You know, oh my God, we have this global pandemic, you know, the economy is going to collapse, yada, yada, yada. And the complete opposite happened. Prices are up almost 50% in some places. And all the market timers keep missing out. And these people become the internet trolls that are so jealous because their lack of confidence kept them from making a decision that they just hate everybody else who succeeded. Here's a principle of investing. There's a great book you've probably read. It's called The Psychology of Money. And uh, it's by Morgan Housel, uh, who I've not interviewed, but I want to get that guy on my show is his books are great. Anyway, one of the things he talks about is how, no matter what asset you buy, you always think you're overpaying. Here's why. Think about it. If if you're at an auction, right, and you bid on a piece of art, right, uh, by definition, if you won, you overpaid. Nobody else was willing to go that high. You overpaid. You're the sucker, right? Uh, if you bought it. If a house has been sitting on the market for three weeks and you buy it, you overpaid because the market knew about the house for three weeks. Anybody else could have purchased it, but you were the only person that was willing to come along and pay enough to talk the seller into selling. So you overpaid, right? By definition, really anything we buy, we're kind of overpaying, but every deal starts to look good in the rearview mirror. You just let a little time go by and suddenly it looks like you got the deal of the century. And that's what happens just over and over in real estate. Uh, so, timing the market is a fool's errand, man. It does not work. Just- I
0: couldn't agree with you yeah. more. I thought I overpaid for a new construction property in Gulf Shores when I yeah. paid 900000 for a new mm-hmm. six bedroom, four bath. but And that was in 20, early 2020. Yeah. And the I've <laughs> <percent> done over, three, <laughs> 300, 300, <laughs> over $350,000 a year in rental income for three yeah. straight years, and it's worth $2 million now. Yeah. So yeah. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Um, Jason, thank you so much for joining me today. I know you've got to go here in about 30 seconds for another meeting. I really appreciate it. How do people get in contact with
1: you? Hey, It's my pleasure, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Uh, my main website is jasonhartman.com. Just my name, J-A-S-O-N-H-A-R-T-M-A-N.com. You can find my YouTube channel by just searching my name on YouTube or my podcast by just typing Jason Hartman on any podcast platform.
0: Awesome. We'll have all your links in the show notes. Thanks for joining me, Jason. I appreciate it. All of you listeners out there, we'll see you on the next episode of STR Unfiltered.
2: Happy investing. The STR Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by Market My STR, the ultimate all in one marketing platform for short term rental hosts. Are you tired of juggling multiple marketing tools? Say goodbye to the hassle and make your life as a host a breeze with Market My STR. Boost your booking rates and increase your revenue in no time with our powerful features. Our platform streamlines your marketing efforts so you can focus on what you do best providing unforgettable guest experiences. Whether you're a newcomer or a seasoned host, Markham ISTR has got you covered. Stay connected with your guests using our comprehensive set of communication tools. From custom landing pages to text messages, email marketing, and social media integration, we provide all the tools you need to elevate your short-term rental business. Streamline your operations, enhance your guest experience today. Don't settle for less so we can have it all. Make the switch to Markham ISTR's all-in-one marketing platform and watch your business soar. Visit marketmystr.com today to sign up for your free trial. That's marketmystr.com. Elevate your short commercial business with Market My STR.
0: Thank you for listening to STR Unfiltered, where we give you actionable episodes without the bullshit.